right, everybody, welcome back to another episode here of the Crypto 101 podcast. I'm your host, Bryce Paul, joined as always by my notorious compadre, my best buddy, Mr. Aaron Pizzamine Malone. Aaron, how goes it? I've been on good behavior for about 24 hours now, and it's really not all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> it's time to get back to being a degen, uh, and that's throwing yeah. risk management out the window, that's maximizing returns, <laughs> maximizing pain more often than not. But man, when you get a good one, it's amazing. And there's so many new financial instruments that are coming into the crypto space to help us do more exotic things with our money, to create additional financial opportunities aside from just buy and hold and pray. But we can actually take action on stuff. Um, But this is playing with fire. And if you're going to play with fire, you need some fire walking training. So we need to uh, get some of that. Price, who we got on the show today? And you need the right tools. And you need the right tools. So we're bringing on Sohan Sen, who is the institutional sales lead over at Paradigm uh, in Asia. And so, Sohan, uh, welcome to the Crypto 101 podcast. Uh, How are you doing? Very good. Uh, Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. No, we're excited because... Uh, Paradigm is a derivatives house, right? I mean, you guys are a marketplace for for all sorts of uh, exotic trading derivatives and options, but uh, that doesn't nearly do uh, the explanation justice. So uh, before we dive in really uh, deeply into your background and everything uh, personally, getting you to this point to lead institutional sales of a large uh, you know, uh, financial institution out of Hong Kong, uh, what you're doing currently? Uh, what what is Paradigm? Let's give everybody a you know some solid context, not to be confused with the popular American venture capital firm called Paradigm. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so um, you know we like in a nutshell, uh, we are a place, a marketplace to trade derivatives, which exists on top of exchanges. So let's say you have something which is a particularly large size trade to do or a particularly complex trade to do, uh, to go to an exchange would not do you service as in you would not get the best price because you would, you know, uh, if your size is large, you would, you know, destroy the order book. Or if it's a complex trade, you would have to pay, uh, you know, bid offer on both sides. So what we ca- we came into existence because our, our platform allows you to face and negotiate a trade with people OTC, uh, individual market makers or other players, but then you clear on exchange, right? So let's say you wanted to buy okay. an option and sell another option. You would come to us and then we would quote you a bespoke price from a universe of market makers. And then you would trade at the best price, but then you would clear on exchange. So you don't actually have to face any extra credit risk to what you mm. were doing uh, by facing somebody OTC. Uh, so the most important thing for us is we are completely non-custodial. We don't, um, touch your assets. Uh, we focus on price discovery for you uh, using our network of, you know, like, let's say about a thousand uh, different clients. Um, and we focus on derivative space. So uh, options, uh, futures, combinations. Uh, we also are in both CFI and DeFi. I mean, I focus on the exchange side uh, here right now, but uh, we also clear on the blockchain. There are many, uh, we can go into that a bit later, but there are many DeFi protocols um, who use us for price discovery because our network gets them the best price on, you know, whatever they clear on on, on uh, exchange. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah. Well, th- let me just say there, there's so much to dive into uh, 
on the specifics there, as well as, you know, I, I really want to talk about um, FTX as well, because I know that there was um, some level of partnerships on some some kind of prepackaged future spreads that I think I remember reading about. So we'll talk about just from your perspective, what went wrong and, and how, how the industry moves forward. Uh, but let's acquaint you with the audience real quick. Um, you know, how did you come into the crypto world? What were you doing before that? Yeah, so uh, before crypto, I spent about 14 years uh, in uh, the major investment banks. Um, you know, I was a structurer for, uh, uh, you know, like for co complex products, basically. So in FX and rates. Um, so this is a very TreadFi equivalent to what Paradigm does in a way, right? Like, uh, so in an investment bank, uh, what happens is, you know, a hedge fund or some other person would call in uh, and say, look, I want to price on some, this complex product, right? Um, you know, this, this, you know, like uh, two options or like the option in the future. Um, and I want you to quote me the best price. The bank would quote the best price, but then it would find on the other side, somebody who would take, you know, to take the other side. Right. So in a way, we are an electronic version of what I was doing for 14 years. Um, and uh, the underlying is just crypto. Right. So uh, that that's that's basically how the transition happened. Um, it was an accidental transition because, um, you know, like, uh, you know, about uh, in 2018, I started playing with, uh, you know, options in, uh, in crypto. And I, I liked it. Uh, you know, I liked it uh, a lot. Um, I, I thought there were many opportunities in the market. I think people were mispricing how, um, you know, like, uh, you know, because it's a very early stage market. It's like, you know, in, in traditional finance, you know, these options were priced correctly 20 years ago, in my opinion. Right. And then I saw them in A2018. I was like, oh, this is this isn't quite exactly what it's supposed to do. Um, I was uh, I was always, uh, you know, like, um, you know, playing with it and trading on it. Um, and then I was uh, actually trading through Paradigm. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that, that's how I, uh, I know, uh, you know, like Ananda CEO and then, um, yeah, I ended up, uh, I ended up working here because it was so similar. It, it kind of reminds me of like, uh, in, in some of these movies where this guy, they go, they're like working on the product and then they're so good at it. They beat the game and the, the founder of the product is like, well, why don't you come work for me? Like you, you, you did really good on our platform. Uh, we could use a guy like you around here. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, I guess it, it helps to you know, like, uh, have used the product, right? Like, I mean, uh, like when you are when you are a sales guy and you want to sell something, it's always good to be a user first, right? Because then you're not uh, you're not faking your experience in a way, right? Like, uh, and uh, yeah, so I guess I guess that was a good thing. Yeah, I think it's important for our listeners to know that there's actually three different markets that we're talking about right now that have their own prices in there. Uh, there's going to be a different Bitcoin price, whether you're looking at the spot market where most of us buy and sell Bitcoin on a Coinbase, for example, uh, versus a futures market versus an options market, which actually includes a shifting amount of time. You're not just talking about right here and right now. You're talking about in the future. Um, so that's really important to remember. You're kind of like trading in 3D versus just, you know, a one dimensional trade like most of us do. And it's important to remember and when you're talking about complexity, somebody has to take the other side of that trade. And often when we as little retail traders are buying, we always just go under the assumption that we can buy and sell whenever we want. But if we make something yeah. that, you know, 100Xs or 1,000Xs and all of a sudden our $10,000 is now $10 million, we have to find someone to actually give us $10 million for all that crypto or we can't get out of that position or equities. Yeah, or like there, there's always somebody on the other side of the trade, right? Yeah. And if you think about like, 
you know, what paradigm does is, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, it's not a house full or filled with a bunch of retail traders, all speculating and buying call options. You're basically the place that's making the market so that if you do want to speculate on Bitcoin and say somebody wants to buy, you know, 200,000 calls on Bitcoin, it's like, you can't really go to Coinbase and do that. You can't really go any anywhere to do that. You'd have to go through someone like you, right? That's exactly right. So yeah, if you want to do like a you know like a like a, a large ticket, or you want to do an out of the money ticket, right? It definitely makes sense to use us because what we focus on is there'll be somebody out there who will make you that price, right? And that person isn't going to be showing you that price on on an exchange just without being prompted, right? There needs to be some kind of negotiation. There needs to be a price request, right? So like the, the way I would, I would think about it is if you want to do something which everyone trades, you know, 10 times a day and it's very simple, like an outright future, right? Just an outright future. Like, of course, you would go to an, an exchange like, um, you know, like uh, the major exchanges. Uh, if, if you want to trade a massive size of that, you would, of course, come to somebody like Paradigm. Right. If you want to trade like an option or like we're we something like 40% of the global option, crypto options volume, um, it is always a, it's always a discussion, right? There's not, it's not always like you can't just find what you want, like on, on a screen. Like, for example, like I, I, like right now, right? Like I'm very bullish, right? Like I actually think the, the bottom's in. I think, you know, the market really could rip much higher. Um, but I have a view that Ether will go higher, but it won't go that much higher. Right. So I have a view that, you know, Ether will go, let's say in the next three months, it'll go to something like 2,500. Right. So right now it's about 1,600. Um, so, you know, I, I want to buy a call spread in three months, which is between 1,800 and 2,500. Right. Which is, which is a very specific view. Right. That's a, and it, it gives me a lot of leverage. That's a, that's something like a 10 times, uh, you know, leverage trade. Right. 10 to 1. If it ends up, Ten to one payout, yeah. Um, so it, it varies depending on the market conditions, but it's somewhere between seven to one and ten to one, right? So it's a very leveraged payout. So I pay one, and if I if it gets to twenty five hundred, I'll, I'll make somewhere between seven times and ten times. So if if I just think about this, right? If I go to an exchange, what would I have to do? Like if I even if I go to an options exchange, I would have to go in and buy an eighteen hundred, then wait for a while, and then sell the twenty five hundred, right? This is a very inefficient form of dealing this. If I call up a very large, you know, market maker, he would definitely quote me that price. But then I would have to face him, and I don't. The guy doesn't know me. I don't know him, right? Like I don't know what the margin is going to be, etc. But you trade through Paradigm, you do that exact same thing with that guy, but you clear it on exchange, right? Which, which allows you to, you know, like trade around it, not have any counterparty risk except the exchange's counterparty risk, etc. So that that that, that would be like a, the use case. Yeah, so the the spot future and option, right? Like there, you know, the, there's, um, you know, like the, the, let's say you're a retail investor, right? Like, I mean, I, I very much am focused on, uh, you know, like saying that this is for big trades or complex trades, etc. Uh, but in many of the exchanges that we go through, there is no minimum like block size, so retail investors could hypothetically use us, right? Um, so as an example, um, you know, like let's say there's spot future and option, right? Um, if you're very bullish, like you would take instead of just buying one Bitcoin, like you know, as in going down and putting down the full notion on buying coin a token, you would then go in and buy a leverage leverage via future, 
right? Like, so you would say, look, the March future is, you know, like uh, I have a view that it's going to go up. You can lever up, you can lever up 10 times, five times, depending on what, what exchange that you were talking about. Uh, but of course it's unlimited downside, right? Very simply, you like, you know, it goes down 20%, you're wiped out, right? Like if it's five times leverage, right? Um, very, that's, that's very simple. I mean, it's a leverage, good leverage. And it's, if it goes up, great, right? You make a hundred percent. If you buy an option, you can only lose the premium. So you really are like, it's a, it's a protected strategy, but it's also a very leveraged strategy. Like, I mean, if it doesn't pay out, then you lose like whatever money that you put in. The way like people should use us, if you're a retail investor and not a market maker is they should come in and say, look, I'm willing to spend this amount of premium and I have a leveraged view that this is going to happen in this range, right? They spend that premium, they forget about it, they put it in a drawer, right? Um, if it pays out, great. If it doesn't pay out, you just lost that small amount of premium, right? Um, so I, I think actually if people used options more, uh, there would be less of the case of you know massive blow-ups, massive liquidations, et cetera, right? People just need to go in and buy more. Yeah. It, but it does seem like they're, it's tough, right? For for the average, I mean, you're in Hong Kong and probably don't deal with any American citizens that are looking to buy options. I know in America, it's very restrictive and, and there's lots of different, you know, institutional sort of um, red tape versus retail red tape. Um, so is there, you know, how can just kind of normal people buy options, you know, I guess, restricting those jurisdictions, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's look, it's 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 actually quite tough, right? Like, so, uh, like, I would say uh, a significant portion of our client base, uh, you know, out, out of the US, uh, you know, has a company, right? Like, which trades out of, you know, like, uh, you know, like Cayman or BVI or etc. Um, the majority of the options flow uh, happens um, in the overlap between London and, uh, you know, New York, right in that in that window. Right, and it's it's a global marketplace, with the U.S. players generally being uh, restricted to trading out of out of a, a company, right? So uh, unfortunately, it is just a, a tough place for U.S. Play, uh, you know investors to trade, and if you do trade, you generally trade uh, on CME or a very regulated exchange, right? Uh, the, the rest of the world is just not as as regulated on options. Do you view like are you from the optimistic kind of viewpoint of like? DeFi and crypto are going to kind of break down those barriers to make financial products more accessible to everyone? Or do you think, ah, that's all, you know, well and good, but it's never going to happen. It's let's just reinforce more of the same. Yeah. So, um, so look, uh, DeFi is here to stay. I think, um, I, I think if the, like for institutional players, I think there will come a time when, um, you will have something called a KYC DeFi, right? Where you are, you're welcome to use your MetaMask, you're welcome to use your wallet, right? But then you have to have some kind of proof that you are not you know, laundering money or committing some kind of, uh, you know, you, need, you have some kind of sign off from regulators that you are allowed to use that, right? I think that's going to happen. I think for retail, um, I, I really think um, it is a true decentralized, uh, you know, world, right? Like um, they... They're able to trade, um, you know, as they wish using their wallet. Um, I mean, obviously, I would encourage people not to, you know, get involved in anything like Tornado or like anything which has like a high regulatory like scrutiny. Uh, but like, I think there are many options protocols out there like, um, you know, like uh, Ribbon Finance, etc., 
where people are constantly, you know, selling covered calls, etc. Which, you know, like people are like retail will be able to trade, um, you know, in, in in most places. It'll be it'll be actually up to the DeFi protocol to stop uh, stop uh, jurisdictional, um, you know, like retail from getting involved. Um, which, which I think is also quite difficult to enforce. Uh, but I, I, I think on the retail side, it won't be as rigorous as it, as it used to be. But I, I think DeFi is here to stay. That's great to know. How has the crypto options market matured over the past couple of years? I know we're still very much in the infancy from the DeFi perspective. What about just the centralized major players adopting crypto in their own platforms? Yeah, so um, so dep- depending on who you ask, uh, the the options market has grown aggressively, but not as uh, so. Roughly speaking, uh, somewhere between uh, one to two billion dollars uh, goes through on a on a on a good day of options. Um, the bulk of this is exchange cleared. Uh, you know the things that Paradigm is involved in, um, and uh, you know we we do about forty percent forty percent of that. Um, the rest happens, you know, bilaterally between, uh, you know, between institutions or, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, some sometimes in uh, in the in the DeFi space. Uh, but uh, we are also generally involved in that space. Uh, but I would say about one to two billion. Now, this compares, um, you know, like this is this is about let's say three percent of uh, what is happening in the spot market, right? Which is a very low number, right? Because the thing in um, crypto is that uh, people feel like, let's say you are gambling or you're taking a view or you're taking leverage on, you know, crypto. People feel like they they get what they want by just owning a token, right? Because that token could double, it could go 100x, you know, etc. Right? Um, they feel like that's the leverage. In traditional finance, people use that because you know, like um, the 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 actual underlying market doesn't move that much. It moves like one percent a day, like equities, etc., etc. Right. Um, so people use options a lot more, right? What I think is going to happen is, and we have seen an exponential growth in options so far, uh, but we will see an even bigger exponential growth as uh, Bitcoin and Ether and the major coins kind of stabilize, right? As as they become a a better store of value, they become more less volatile we'll see more people use options, right? Because like- uh, It makes sense. Yeah, like it's just like, you, you want to get that return, right? But you're not able to because it's just so stable. A classic example is in the last couple of months, um, you know, even after FTX, like, you know, the market for major coins was very stable, like very, very stable. Like Ether, you know, basically didn't move for like almost two months. That is actually- that's actually what happens in traditional finance for a very long time. I mean, the market just doesn't move. Uh, and then people come in and either, you know, I'm like, oh, I, I have a, I have some ether, so I'll sell a covered call against it. I like, you know, if it goes up too much, I'll sell it, right? Or it'll be a guy being like, oh, I, I think it's going to roof it, so I'm going to go buy it, right? Um, and then it just makes the market. So I, I think the market stabilizes uh, from here and the options market becomes a much bigger percentage of the, of the overall market. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Fascinating. And I really do want to get your take on the FTX collapse. Um, you know, I t- just let, I'll keep it open-ended. W- w- from your vantage point, just walk us through kind of what you think went wrong um, what kind of was going through your mind during that time and how the industry really does move forward from having uh, a really key actor in the space just completely find out where they're fraudulent? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, look, I, um, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of uh, data out there, right, um, on FTX. I mean, um, we, we had a, a, like a, a partnership with them on uh, Future Spreads so, uh, you know, I've talked a lot about options, but we also do, uh, you know, spot versus future uh, on our platform where you can do that as a package, right? That's a, that's deemed as a complex derivative. And then you can one trade click. that as, yeah, one click. Yeah, you can, you can trade that, right? So when interest rates were 20% in crypto, you know, uh, like, you know, that, that was a great product. And we would clear that on the underlying exchange. We have a few, few exchanges. FTX was one of them. Right. So, um, you know, they, they were a, a, like a, a partner to us, um, you know, b- before that we just launched it and it was growing uh, expon- exponentially. Um, in terms of like uh, the, it, it clearly is a Enron plus Lehman type moment for crypto. Uh, my main takeaway from all this is now it's difficult to trust one exchange with your money, right? Like, yeah. It's just, it's just, it's just difficult, right? Like, um, you know, like I have, uh, no, like, um, you know, insight into, um, you know, like which exchange is the best, but I would just never, uh, put too much concentration risk on one exchange. Right. So like, like one of the, one of the key things that we are always talking about is like, we're non-custodial, but we deal with every exchange, right? Like we, we, we deal with like multiple exchanges, Right. I think more mm-hmm. people like us will emerge who are multi-exchange, uh, you know, like uh, trading platforms or, uh, you know, like ways of access multiple exchanges. So, like, I, I actually think the real takeaway from FTX, right, which, you know, is not insightful on what went wrong, but it tells you that if, like, that's one or something could go wrong, right? Either there could be fraud, right? There could be some kind of regulatory scrutiny, right? There could be 
Um, you know, they could be just an outright credit risk associated with an exchange. Like, you know, maybe they lend out the money too much. Or it could be something like um, you just don't want your money on exchange and you want your money in DeFi, right? Like in, in, in a smart contract, non-custodial fashion, right? So if you, if you look at this, I think what the end result of FTX is that nobody can ever say, oh my God, I lost 50% of my net worth or 80% of my net worth on an exchange going down. It doesn't matter how good an exchange is or how good a protocol is, you're always going to diversify. So I reckon people are literally going to be like in the next, like uh, in a year from now, it is a major exchange going down. People will be like, oh, I lost 10%, right? Because it was a top exchange, but I just can't, I can't, the trust is no longer there, right? So I have to diversify. Right. So I actually, I actually think people will come out and say, classify things by risk. So they'll say, look, um, you know, right now there are two exchanges which are really at the top of their game, extremely liquid. Before, it would be 50% of my money in one and 50% in another. No, that's not what happened. It's going to be, you know, 10% in that one, 10% in the other one, and then 10% in some, you know, hot wallet, some, uh, you know, maybe some DeFi protocol. And then people will just start diversifying um, across DeFi and CeFi. And like DeFi has its own risk, right? Like you have smart contract risk, you have rug risk, et cetera. But then everyone is like, well, that's the risk I take, but you know, there's only 10%, right? So I think, I think for me, the main thing is FTX taught you the value of diversification. I mean, it's a very hard lesson, right? But it tells you that, yeah, there, there are no, there are, there are no like uh, safe, you know, bank, uh, bank type, um, you know, institutions. You have to, you really have to diversify. Yeah. I, um, I think that's and, the best advice yeah. and the best way to look at all that. You know, there's so many people that are trying to point fingers, whether it's at Gary Gensler or people who have been hurt in this space saying, you know, they should have known they should have seen something, but you know, as a partner of FTX, was there any indicator at all that anything was wrong before it was way too late? Uh, no, no, they definitely, um, you know, like there definitely wasn't, um, you know, from, from our side. Um, I mean, uh, we, we wouldn't know, right. Like, because we, in a way we were like a non-custodial partner, right. So we would just, like when people trade by us, they have to have money on the on on exchange on FTX. So we are just a trade facilitation uh, mecha- like mechanism. Um, yeah, so uh, I, I, I we we definitely didn't have any uh, have any insights uh, into it. We were the same as everyone else. Um, obviously, you know, like we suffered less than everyone else because they were a partner. They were not somebody we, you know, like we had funds with, etc. Right. So. Um, you know, we were in a, yeah. perhaps in a, you know, a, a position to be like sympathetic towards the rest of the world. Uh, but um, yeah, we, we, we definitely did not have any, um, any insights. And, you know, we were, we were learning most of it from, uh, from, from Twitter as it was happening. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, there was a lot of funds that were carried out because they did trust uh, FTX. And I, I think that at the end of the day, it's a great reminder uh, for why we're all here uh, at the, you know, it's, for the sovereignty, for the for the non-custodial aspects of you know digital bearer instruments that you know you might as well take advantage of those attributes um, if that's you know why you're here don't don't get caught up in all the marketing hype and the ease of use on a centralized exchange and all that stuff. But I kind of want to talk about uh, you know on the back of this FTX debacle, right? You mentioned uh, Bitcoin's kind of held up surprisingly well. Uh, it, it sold off for for a, a about two months, maybe, right? Stayed pretty low. 
um, and just had a really, really, really sharp start to 2023. I mean, you mentioned at the beginning that you were starting to get bullish uh, and that this might, you know, in the near term, have a little bit of continuation. And I kind of want to pick your brain on that, that, that thought right there. Um, What's leading into this uh, thesis that you've got? And is it any certain, you know, options data or indicators that that you're looking at? Uh, Is it just a general feel? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Look, we are, we are um, you know, we are like a, like a marketplace. So we get to see a lot of uh, a lot of flow that happens uh, in the market. Um, we have a number of uh, you know like podcasts or publications which talk about you know what flows we see um, on on our Twitter. Um, but I think the main thing is that um, you know like uh, crypto has suffered massively last year, right? We had um, you know like Luna. I mean, we. I mean, there's a, there's a, uh, like, there's a lot of stuff happened. Luna, Celsius, FTX, um, and the Fed coming in and you know hiking rates aggressively, right? Um, so you have all of these things happen, and you know, like major coins were down. I don't know, like seventy five percent. If you talk about BTC and ETH, and if you're talking about um, some uh, something in the DeFi space, I mean, that probably is ninety five percent down, right? Um, so. How much worse could it get on the major coins? That's that's the first view that I'm taking, which is not particularly scientific. The second thing is, I I feel because we're in the option space, um, we we have um, information about what is probability adjusted a good trade, right? It's not that we think, you know, like um, you know, like I I am bullish, right? I am bullish. Would I bet my house that it's going to go up? No. But would I buy a leverage payout that it's going to go up? Yes, I would. Right? Like it's a it's a it's a different view. It's not like, uh, like it's not like twenty um, you know twenty twenty one where it looked like it was just on a straight handle up. I would I would use a future to express my view, right? Because it was definitely going up. Now I I I'm, I think there's um, a high probability it goes up, but I would only bet premium. Right, so this is which is why I keep talking about options and call spreads and stuff like that. Um, I would definitely say in the market we have seen people have a very similar view to me, which is, look, if it goes up, it's going to roof it because many things could go in your favor, right? FTX, you know, perhaps recovery comes in extremely high, right? There's a chance, right? Um, there's a there's a chance that the Fed, um, you know, like inflation is now under control. The Fed comes in and starts easing, um, you know, quicker than expected, right? Um, either, I think the hurdle for them to, you know, like be hawkish, um, it is quite, it's quite high, right? So uh, either of these things could result in a, you know, roof, um, you know, roof of all risky assets, not just crypto. Um, the third thing is, um, you know, I, I do have some view that perhaps the the war, um, the war, the the Russia-Ukraine war um, is, uh, you know, reaching the final uh, stage and there might be some sort of negotiation because a significant portion of the leverage, um, you know, that was that was there for, for Russia um, with energy is kind of uh, disappearing into summer and now uh, Europe has diversified. Um, it, 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 it looks like there is a... a decent chance that there could be a resolution and i'm not entirely sure the market's pricing i mean people are just pricing rhetoric and saying it's going to go on forever um so i I, anyway all of these things are a potential roofing um you know like uh 
and, and I'd also like to get your perspective on uh, number four, uh, which would be China's reopening. And you're over in Hong Kong, and that's what a lot of people in the mainstream media are starting to talk about, that China reopening from restricting or from all of its restricted COVID policies. Uh, is this actually true? Is this happening? And is that kind of going to help asset prices? For sure, right? So for sure, right? I mean, that that is... Um uh, I mean, I, I would say that one is maybe priced in a little bit because people, are, I think you can see in the equity market that people have, you know, like priced that China's opening up. So I, I live in Hong Kong, right? And um, Hong Kong is kind of a test area for for, uh, for mainland China to try out new policies. So um, the quarantine was lifted here about a month before it was lifted in China. Um, the energy is materially different. Like people are, you know, people are going on holiday. People are, they haven't been let out of, you know, places for a, a long time. Uh, people are just um, yeah. the the economy in a way is booming because suddenly you know F and B is back. Uh, people are going on holiday. Um, it's moving back towards a sensible, um, you know, like a, a like a pre COVID uh, you know society. Um, of course, this comes with a short um, short term pain because I mean it's not somewhere which had a lot of COVID uh, you know cases before. So you will basically have to suffer through that for a while, which uh, I guess most other countries, you know, suffered through, you know, maybe a couple of years ago. Uh, but it is it is it is extremely good news. I mean, I, I can just tell you anecdotally, the, the energy in, in Hong Kong, uh, not just in crypto, but in everything is um, is quite is palpable. Right. Like um, people are like, well, now we're back. <laughs> Let's go back to how we were two years ago. Let's just build and uh, see what happens. That's really exciting to hear. Uh, I haven't had a chance to make my way to Hong Kong to visit other than uh, a quick transit, but I know so many people over there now, and there's events actually starting to get booked over there. So uh, that's exciting to hear. When I had a question while I was listening to all the different things that you were talking about, what does the term priced in actually mean? Yeah, so this is, um, this is uh, uh, yeah, so priced in, uh, basically, you you mean the textbook definition of it, right? Is that is that what you mean, or...? Um, yeah, yeah. Like so, let's say um, an economic um, event, you know, happens, right? Like China opening up, the market basically says, "Look, um, this this is going to cause a twenty percent rally in uh, Chinese stocks because that's the that's how much opening up will um, you know will will return to the market, right? So price in just basically means um, that." You know that's that's already that like somebody's already taken into account what's going to happen in the future from China opening up. So that's priced into the into the asset already, right? In most cases, when people say priced in, they just mean look, people have understood that you know things are going to be easier, so the market's going to go up. Um, therefore, uh, equities are up, right? So uh, even that, if you're just getting the that, news that, right now, you're late. Like the market's already moved. Yeah, exactly. Too late well, to try I mean, the news jump in early. So basically, people have priced in the fact that China's opening up because you know they announced it a few weeks ago, and um, they like the market's adjusted. And now, if you trade on it, you are probably too late. That's that, that that's that's kind of what I mean. And that's I think that's Got what it. price didn't mean. Yeah. Yeah, there's lots of uh, conversation actually, kind of on that topic. Um, the having right. Is the having priced in or is it not priced in? There's always that sort of conversation that happens just about every four years. Um, we don't need to kind of go into that, but uh, unless you have a strong opinion other way. Either no, way I, I, I don't. I don't. Uh, but um, I, I definitely feel that, um, you know, like that there are many forces which are pushing to the top side, 
right? Like there are many for as in pushing, um, you know, like crypto to the top side. Um, any mm-hmm. of these could be, uh, you know, like a, a real game changer, you know, to the amount because you got to remember we're down seventy five percent, right? Like in the major coins, right? I mean, from here right. for there to be an uptick, um, any of these stories, they don't even need to be true stories. They just looks like there'll be hope, and then you know, like <laughs> um, the market could easily adjust. Um, so yeah, I, I don't have a strong view on that, um, but uh, I'm just saying that that could also be another factor. Yeah. Now, over here we're. We're really bullish as well. We also believe there's a lot of upside potential. No financial advice from any one of us or you for that matter. But if we wanted to make some kind of a levered bet that matures, let's say, just a year from now as, as a random anecdotal example, not an actual strategy, you know, should I use a future or an option to accomplish this? You know, which would give me the less fees? Uh, or what are kind of like the differences in these products? Yeah, I mean, um, so uh, I'm just I'm actually uh, just looking it up now um, in terms of like what I would um, you know what I would uh, you know do, um, you know, like uh, if you if you wanted to bet towards the end of this year, um, what what I would do is something like uh, the 31st of December. It's a it's a you know established contract. I, I mean, I, I realize many uh, many Americans won't be able to deal on this. But like some exchanges like Deribit, Bybit, etc., um, they offer these options contracts um, and um, a 2,000, 3,000 call spread on Ether um, costs about 10%, right? So that basically means, um, you know, at, at, at maturity, you're making something like um, 30, 33% uh, roughly, right? And you're spending 10% for that, right? And it's it's a year, right? It's, it's December 31st. So that's a three three 3.5 to 1 <laughs> but I like simple trades like that, right? Because it's, um, you know, while it's like, if you do short-term bets, you can make like levered payouts, seven to one, 10 to one, that sort of stuff. But this is more like a, look, if it's going to go up, right, it just has to retrace half of where we were, um, you know, in 20, uh, 20, 2021, right? In December, 2021, right? We just need, need to go halfway, Right. And I think that's a very nice bet. In terms of futures versus options, I, I am still a little bit scared, right? I mean, there are there are still many tail risks out there. Um, I'm bullish, but I don't want to commit too much capital, so I would love to use options, right? When I'm expressing my view, so I would I would do something similar to that. Interesting. And, you know, when I think about options as well, sometimes it's just a good way to get kind of portfolio insurance. Whereas, you know, instead of like, if I think about it, you know, you hold a portfolio of Bitcoin, Ether, and a few altcoins, you already got a super, super high risk portfolio. No need to lever up, maybe just buy put options every year or every quarter or something out of the money. Do you guys see clients doing that? Yes, a hundred percent. Yes, yes, we do. We do hundred percent see clients doing that. Um, look, I, I mean, I focus very much on the, um, you know, the the positive side, like the bullish expression. But this is also a very sensible strategy because actually your view is not that different, right? Like because all you're doing is you're saying I'm bullish, but if the worst happens, I want to be protected, mm-hmm. right? So there are a lot of people who come in and buy deep out of the money puts, right? Um, and they express it in a very simple way. I pay the premium and I put it away. Worst comes to worst, it'll pay out, right? Worst comes to worst, it'll protect my portfolio from having too much of a shock. 
So, but the attitude is very similar. It's all, it's always like, let me buy something and it's either a bullish bet, bearish bet, but I'm going to put it in a drawer and I'm going to wait for it to expire. I think people don't use that as often in their risk management strategy. Everyone is looking to basically lever up and, you know, like uh, get rich or die trying, right? Like, while actually the the right strategy should should always be, look, I'm, I have 50% certainty, therefore I will only bet this amount of money. Right or I want this amount of tail risk protection, so I'll, I'll bet this amount of money. So paying premium, I think, is is a is a much more sensible route. Love it. Let's take a look uh, in the in the future here for Paradigm. Um, are you guys always going to be um, a centralized um, sort of institution, or do you guys ever have a plan to DAOify or to decentralize and kind of issue your own token and uh, you know kind of be governed by DeFi? Yeah, I mean, uh, we definitely have ambitions in that space. So, I mean, we've talked about the CFI side, but we are integrated with, um, you know, some of the, you know, protocols, DeFi protocols. We run the auctions for them, right? <coughs> we definitely have ambitions in that direction. Um, I think we'll, you know, I can give you more color uh, as things firm up. Um, but I would say our ethos has always been a very DeFi ethos, which is I don't want to touch your money. Right, it's a very non-custodial. Right. I, I, I just, I don't want to. I will get you the best price, but I don't want to touch your assets. Right, so it, it's very conducive to you know being a DeFi uh, protocol. Uh, however, there's still many advantages to being um, you know covering both DeFi and CeFi. Right, because in a way, right now, like if you think about that diversification example I gave you, um, you would still like you. You don't just want one entity, right? Like you, you don't, you don't want to have just one. Um, you know, one clearing venue. You want to be everywhere, right? You want to be on top of everyone, right? Um, so uh, I, I would, I would think that um, you know, like the combination of CFI and DeFi is probably where we should be sitting. Uh, but yes, we we do have some ambitions in the DeFi space, and you know, I'll keep you updated as as this develops. I, I want to ask a couple more questions while we still have you, um, real quick. I mean, Genesis filing for bankruptcy, you know, just days ago. Uh, what what's your take on that? Did, did again? This is like nobody could have really seen it coming, but they were some of the biggest traders, uh, at least in the states for sure. Um, is this just you know par for the course in a big kind of washout? You expect lots of leveraged lenders to go out, or did this one cut you off guard? I uh, know. I, I think I think this was um, you know this was uh, predicted right. Like as in that um, you know there was a there's a lot of market chatter about this. Uh, for a while, um, you know, like uh, the question was whether it was DCG or Genesis, you know, who was, um, you know, going to going to file, etc. Um, the the market side is, um, you know, is a is a completely siloed. Uh, so the derivatives market market side is is a siloed entity, right? So uh, they're not affected by this. Um, in terms of uh, like whether uh, like there's a this lender will lead to a washout of of trades. Um, I feel the market has adjusted post FTX, right? Like the mm. market is, um, you know, like a lot more, yeah, positioned for this. Like, let's say you had uncollateralized uh, loans, um, or you know, you like you you start marking it at a price which is sensible, right? Like, um, nobody after FTX is marking anything with, um, you know, like uh, either FTX credit risk or Genesis credit risk at a hundred anymore, right? And no loan is going to be marked at hundred. Like people have. I mean, if you didn't, then you that would probably be classed as fraud, right? 
So uh, I think people have um, people have already adjusted to that. Uh, but I, I think it's important to note that the derivative side is um, is is definitely is not the same, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's um, it's a it's a different entity, um, and I I would definitely say that um, the number of uh, you know like players in the derivative space um, suggests that I don't think this will be a, a massive game changer for uh, you know for the derivatives market. Right, um, this this particular bankruptcy. And obviously, FTX was a was a was a massive massive thing. But now, I don't think this will like. It's not like tomorrow liquidity will go to zero. I think um, you know liquidity will stay stable. And um, you know, as you can see from the market, in fact, market is actually pretty much unchanged from when the news was announced. It's actually went up and went down in mm-hmm. spot. Right. So I think I think it's very priced in. Is is, is my view? Interesting. Yes. Does the pricing? an activity on an options book give out any kind of actionable insights for the spot market. If people are trying to cover themselves more recently versus, you know, some really big uh, spike predictions, is there anything that we can look at the options market and read or things that we should look for? Yeah. um, Yeah. So uh, the, so the, because the options market is still a small percentage of the total, you know, uh, spot and derivatives market. Um, I, w- I would say it doesn't give you insights into it, it's not like a predictor of what's going to happen in spot, but it can tell you the distribution of, um, you know, of risk. Right. And the distribution of risk is definitely changed from uh, it's, it's called the skew. Right. Um, so it's basically like the which side people are betting on. Right. Um, so. The, the first thing is that the skew to the top side, i.e. for calls, is materially increased. So it's people, people before were like, well, it is going to go up. It's going to go up. <coughs> it's going to go up a bit. And then it's going to, you know, like that'll be it. Now people are pricing, oh, this could really roof, right? This could really roof. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's, that's a... I like that that's word, a, I'm going to incorporate that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think the distribution has a bit more of a, a tail. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I, I think um, in 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 most sense, uh, most sense, uh, like uh, the options market is not a indicator of uh, you know of uh, it's more like an insurance premium indicator rather than a like a, a prophecy like of what's going to happen in the spot market. Love it. Well, while we still have you, um, who else out there? What other companies are you building with or? Maybe you're not even partnered with them and you just are really impressed by their technology. What, what's one other crypto firm out there that uh, has really caught your eye? Yeah. Um, so uh, we, are, you know, we, we have really liked these um, DeFi option vaults, you know, that have come into, you know, come into existence. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we are very close with them. Uh, they, like most of them run their auctions through us, the, the largest ones for sure. Um, we think that's a, a new source of option volatility, right, in the market because you know everything here that we've talked about is about somebody buying an option, right? And I'm right. very much focused on like the the audience that um, I guess you guys have, which is you know like um, you know somebody who wants to protect themselves or somebody who wants to express a view. Now, there's a very sophisticated universe of people who are you know make their living by selling options, which are market makers and institutional players, etc. Right, but there is actually a very simple person who is, should be selling options as well, which is somebody who is extremely long um, uh, a crypto, 
right? Like let's say Ether or Bitcoin. Um, and then just says, look, if spot rallies 20%, I'm okay to take profit at that level, right? Because you're just like, well, if it goes up, I was going to sell it anyway. So why not sell a call at you know 120% of spot, right? So these option vaults do that super well. Right. So, you know, for example, like, um, I, you know, like I was long some ether, I I put it in this option vault and they kept selling every week. They would come in and sell uh, 20% out of the money call. One day I got exercised. Right. And I was like, well, do I care? No, because my, my spot is up 20%. Uh, I could have made 30%, but you know, I I made some yield and I've got 20%. Right. So in the end I made it 21%. Right. I was like, Mm. all right, I'm okay with that. So we're very big fans of that. Yeah, it's, and it's and it's completely DeFi, non-custodial, all all stuff we like to hear, and we run the auction for that. So that's, that's I would say that's one thing. The second thing is, um, I find that um, you know, like people have forgotten the world where like spot and future, like you know the the difference. Between, we call it future spreads. Uh, so we call it future spreads in our in our platform, but it's basically the carry trade, cash and carry, right? Um, so this 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 trade is coming back for sure. Right? Like it's coming back in one form and the other. Um, people want to use leverage to express their view in futures. And so spot and future can you know diverge. Um, we have created a marketplace for you to trade that as an asset um, on multiple exchanges. And we've just launched with, uh, you know, the, that's what we had with FTX. And that's what we will have with uh, a few other exchanges, uh, notably uh, Bybit. Um, we we think that's going to be a very exciting space because um, you know one of the one of the main reasons why people trade crypto is that once in a while you'll get an opportunity to make ten percent uh, risk free right by just buying the token and then selling the future uh, and just basically running that um, as a as a carry trade um, and uh, the only risk you run is like the credit risk associated with that exchange on which you run it. Um, so yeah, I think I think that'll be that's something we are very um, you know interested in, and that space is something we're very interested in. In general, we have a good dialogue with all uh, CFI exchanges, uh, but in terms of product, I would say those are the the most interesting for us. Incredible. Well, Sohan, thank you so much for your time today here joining us at the Crypto One Hundred and One Podcast. Um, I hope we could have you back on uh, sometime here in the near future when when the crypto markets are hopefully rip roaring and. We'll see what the uh, the futures market and the uh, options market is telling us then. Uh, but until then, enjoy yourself and uh, we'll see you on the other side. All right. Yeah. Thanks for having me. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.